Just a quick note to say that this episode does contain a little bit of echo and a little bit of crackle, um, but I hope that it doesn't spoil your enjoyment of the show. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Right For Your Life podcast. 13 episodes in two and a half years, eh? Now that's prolific. Um, Today we're going to talk a little bit about change, and I say we because I'm joined by the marvellous Manuela Boyle. Hello Ian. Um, And uh, how are you? Very well today, I think. Marvellous. So yes, we're going to talk a bit about being, um, having the confidence and the courage to change direction when you're in the middle of a writing project, uh, wherever it might be, or you know, it doesn't matter, it could be anything. Um, because I think that it can be quite, uh, it's quite tempting isn't quite the right word, but it's, people do often uh, worry or they, they're, they're fearful of uh, changing direction in quite heavily when they're so far through a project so let's say it's a short story or something like that the idea that you had for the story initially and for instance the ending let's say um, you could have had that all sorted it was the best ending you ever imagined you would uh, come up with but three quarters of the way in you could quite easily get to a point where you think you know this has gone in a different direction and um, and, and I guess the point of this uh, podcast is to say that that's kind of fine if you feel like you need to go in a different direction then usually it's okay, and that's kind of about that's kind of um, a choice. That's a ch- that's the type of writing change or a change in dire- a change of direction where you, the author, is making a choice. But we're also going to talk a little bit about um, the different types of writing where perhaps the changes are more enforced, um, and that's something that we both have experience of because we we're copywriters and we work for clients, and and clients always know best, don't they? So uh, you're perhaps going to talk about that a little bit, Manuela. I can talk about that. Happy to, yes. Marvellous. Um, so, okay, well, I'll, I'll, th- that was my short story example. I'll give you my, my personal um, experience of this. I am, um, as you know, I've got an agent for my novel. And um, uh, you would think that having got an agent, then I would be absolutely delighted and that would be my book absolutely finished and not have to worry about it ever again. However, within the three or four weeks of having... Uh, Got my agent and uh, and been all excited. We sat down and spoke about my novel and we talked about potentially uh, a few changes and I agreed with the changes and we decided that, yeah, okay, we'll just do some extra work on it before it goes out to publishers. And of course, as soon as I started making those changes, I suddenly realised that, oh God, this is actually going to be quite a big thing. And it was. I sort of spent three months of solid writing and, and editing and actually, 26, a 26 chapter novel turned into 42 chapters, which sounds like quite a huge and dramatic change. And I guess it is in a way, but that wasn't all. Um, it wasn't all adding stuff. I didn't sort of write an extra 25,000 words. It was, in fact, new material was about 5,000 words, but it meant that I changed the structure, and it was a real, it was a real big change. But the reason I did, I mean, there were times when I was in the middle of it thinking, why am I doing this? I had it finished. You know, when you've, when, once you've started messing around with something, there's kind of no going back, and I kind of did start to feel regretful. But actually, it was the right thing to do because it meant that um, I wrote a better book, and that's, that's the main thing. So to, to me, the idea is it's the most important thing is the writing. You might not feel like a big change. It might be very daunting. It might be, you know, strike fear into your heart. But, um, but actually, it's about writing the best possible piece of writing that you can and if that means making a change or changing direction then you should probably just go for it 
And how do you feel then about sort of whether you as, a, as an author, um, whether you know what's best or whether sort of another party knows what's best? Um, well, that's a good question. I didn't expect to be asked that. My opinion on this has, has always been, obviously get feedback if you can, and I say that, we've talked about that lots on the blog before, always get feedback. But if it's, if the feedback, the, right, so in, my, in my example, I was getting my, my feedback from um, uh, my agent, who has lots of established authors, uh, has done this many, many times, who has read far, many, uh, far more books than I have done, uh, believe it or not. Um, of course they have because I, I, I don't read that. I don't read anywhere near enough um, so I thought I trusted their opinion and it was the same when I did my MA I, I, my tutor was well particularly a guy who's not with us anymore uh, uh, Archie Markham his, his author in, as if you want to look him up it's E.A. Markham wonderful writer just a brilliant person and if he said to me I think you should change this then because of who he was and what he did and you know the respect I had for him yes. I would go all right, you're probably probably right. Yeah. Much in the same way as if uh, you know, if twenty if, if twenty people say that you out of, out of thirty people, I'm making these numbers up, say that you should make some changes or that something's wrong, then it, it there's probably something wrong. If mm-hmm. one person out of thirty says it, then you know, question whether you should be making those changes. But if that one person is someone who you really respect, then it's and 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 you trust, then it makes a difference. Yeah. Doesn't it? It does. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it, having the kind of courage to make that change is about it, your confidence in, in yourself and your own writing. But it's also sometimes I think you probably have a bit of a, you, you know in your heart of hearts, you sometimes have a nagging feeling to think, mm, that's not quite right or that's not quite working. And so sometimes actually it can be a bit of relief when someone who you trust um, says to you, actually, I think this could work better. So, you know, something it's resolving perhaps a bit of a conflict that you might have had about a piece of writing already. However, I imagine it is difficult, more difficult when you actually um, believe strongly that a passage or a, a kind of a plot turn or a car- what a character does, um, when that's, you believe in what they do and that that's right, and then someone sort of kind of just that or challenges that, and that's, I guess, where sort of some of the kind of more interesting um, creative tussles happen, actually. Yeah, that's true. I, I, it is difficult if you if you if you if someone else is telling you to make a change, but you really love that piece of writing or that paragraph, sentence, word, whatever it might be. That does make it more difficult to do it. But you're right; it's about having the confidence to separate. Well, it's the, I guess it's the murder your darlings, the darlings uh, yes. advice, isn't it? You do have to have the confidence to realise that even if a piece of writing is the best piece of writing you've ever done it's the best paragraph you've ever written yeah. if that paragraph doesn't work in the chapter or in the novel or you know, or the short story or the blog post or the piece of journalism whatever it is, if it doesn't work no matter how good the writing is then it, it doesn't work, you have to sort of detach yourself from it and have the confidence to get rid or to, mm-hmm. or to go off in a different direction, you know, change, change the plot change, change the subject, whatever it is tough love really and it's sometimes sort of tough love that you have to show towards yourself as a writer when you believe in that paragraph you believe in that sentence but you kind of know in your heart of hearts that actually it's not adding to um, the particular context that it appears in or it's not bringing what it needs to once a friend of mine said to me that the only art form that you could um, actually completely have your own way in was uh, visual art and I think that is 
be largely true. I think most other art forms that I can think of, um, usually there is some sort of intervention or editing or suggestion from someone else. So mm. that's kind of food for thought in itself. Um, but I mean, you said we said that we'd sort of talk about different sorts of kind of changes that you make in your writing, and mm. you know, there's, we've talked about um, literary writing and, and fiction. Um, but there's also copywriting, as you mentioned, which we both do um, for our day job. And often there, well, it's part of the, the job. You were asked to make changes in quite a lot of your work um, because you're writing for clients, and clients are the people that are paying the bills. So, you know, they have a obviously a sort of huge vested interest in that product. It's going to be their product. So clearly, um, they have a, an absolute sort of divine right, really, to sort of to intervene and, and give feedback. And that's a sort of normal part of the the copywriting process. Where it gets tricky, I think, is um, whenever you really believe in something that you've produced or you, your expertise suggests that something is, is best practice and therefore should appear in that, that way and you can you can advise a sort of client if they give you feedback that something's got to be changed that actually it's not recommended that we would change it for this, in this, this reason but clearly when a client believes that, that, you know, that that change should happen, that's when things can get a little bit tricky well, and negotiation skills come into play. And everything changes when money's involved, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> you know, if, if someone is actually uh, paying you to do a piece of work and they say change something, and you really do have to have a real... Uh, I guess that's why you can't sort of just toss it off and just give them anything because... You, they, toss it off, I'm yeah. sorry, that's foul, isn't it? I apologise. You can't just... language for this hour. I know. Uh, unless you listen to it at, uh, after the watershed. Um <laughs> Yeah, you have, you, you, you have to have a good rationale behind it because you might get that work back and, and they'll say, well, I'm not sure why you've done this, I don't like this at all. And then you have to go, uh, you have to explain why you've done what you did and the decisions you made. Because um, uh, if you don't, then they'll think, well, why the heck am I paying you? And they might stop paying you. So um, it is about having a, a good rationale. And then ultimately, if your rationale doesn't persuade the person that's paying you to write, mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, we have to start making those changes, I guess. Um, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Having a, a strong creative rationale, a good argument to back up what you're doing is, is so important when it comes to um, copywriting, copywriting for clients really, because clearly you want them to understand and see the benefits of, of your approach and why that those benefits are actually best for, for them, for that piece of work. Um, and I, and you know, I've been in sort of many situations where um, sometimes a client simply wants that justification they actually want to understand and when they understand that then they accept what you what you're putting what you're putting forward so it's tricky though i mean ultimately we're hired as copywriters because um our expertise is appreciated and that's what clients are buying but at the same time clients know their own business best so it's so it's it's yeah no, it's, it's a line it's a sort of tricky line to walk usually i think we can report that it it um, typically ends up in a sort of happy, happy situation um, in the end, where we that we've reached sort of through a delicate process of negotiation and sort of justification. So, but certainly it's a really interesting foil to the changes that you've described in terms of um, writing fiction or producing producing a book. Where well, I suppose it's similar. I mean, your agent and, and editors. They're thinking of an audience, they're thinking of the final audience, and I guess that's what the client's thinking of as well. Well, they have an objective voice that you don't have, if you're, especially if you're writing, uh, creative writing, for want of a better word, 
you do seem to lose you do lose the perspective uh, yeah. from time to time. So that you you do it is a you know an objective voice is very helpful. The only, the only other point that I really wanted to make was that again, what what matters most is is the writing. So if it can be very tempting if if you, if you once you get to that point where you know you're going to have to make changes if you've made the decision that changes need to be made it can be very tempting to go but it's actually all right as it is so you could have written a perfectly good novel I mean my novel got me an agent so you know let, yes. let's let's assume that it's as a reasonable standard I could have gone I, after having that conversation with my agent I could have said you know what I think it's actually all right it's it's pretty good I'm quite happy with it because I could have looked at the work they needed to do and I thought you know what I'd rather sit and play on my Xbox instead and that's <laughs> but that's what you know that is what I'm not saying everyone plays on their Xboxes but it's it's so it's so easy to to walk away from a big challenge especially when you've yeah. already done an awful lot you've gone through an awful lot of challenges already and I think it is just trying to well get your own objective voice and and um and just remember that what matters is, is writing the best book you can or doing the best piece of work for the client that you can. That it's, mm. it's not about you, it's about the work. That's, and um, It's tough. But it's about having confidence and not being scared by, by that prospect of having to head back into something or go in a different direction, I think. I think, I think no, and you're absolutely, absolutely right about that. It is, it is easy to be scared of, and I, I have to confess that, you know, once in a, I sought some feedback on some of my poems from a from a sort of a poet who um, is renowned and respected and I was expecting <laughs> I suppose I was expecting a kind of fairly positive response and while it wasn't it, it was sort of sort of you know you need to work on these a bit more that came back really in the, there sort of needs to be more development and because and I was really gutted about that and so it did put me off so I have to be honest it's sort of, I wasn't ready to kind of at that, that moment in time to sort of like um, do what he said. Mm. So yeah, no, it just, it's, it's hard. It's, it's not, really hard. It's one of the hardest things to sort of keep going back, getting it right, getting it right. But but you must. must be, no, must yeah, be, yeah. Must I, have, I have gone back since and sort of. Oh no, that wasn't you. <laughs> I wasn't having a go. What are you saying? <laughs> okay, so I think that we'll, we'll leave that there. That's a good fifteen minutes worth of uh, of, of chit chat about changes we usually have a, a slot called our favourite things I've got one I don't think Manuela has so she can uh, listen to mine and offer any comments uh, as she pleases and I say that in third person like you're not here no, I, I shan't say anything more to that I've <laughs> said it all already indeed ok so my, my favourite thing this week um, uh, is some really good news um, everyone makes uh, everyone that uses the internet uses Twitter and all that kind of things makes certain internet pals and uh, people that you don't know in real life and that kind of thing, but you know, you kind of, you know, it's kind of a, it's a different kind of friendship, I suppose. But friendships they are. So a chap called Patrick uh, Roan who writes uh, uh, for a blog called Minimal Mac, which mm-hmm. you wouldn't think has a great deal to do with uh, writing, but bear with me, because one of the reasons I'm going to basically Patrick's just uh, written a book. Um, it's a collection of all his essays he's wrote on his personal site, and it's called Keeping It Straight Book. Uh, well, they're called Keeping It Straight, but the website is called keepingitstraightbook.com. So um, I was sort of uh, looking through it. I've read a good portion of it already. And uh, the reason that I want to bring it up here is because I've, uh, because I have this sort of dual life as a as a writer of novels and fiction, but also as a copywriter that works for a design company and works in technology and all this kind of thing. I've made an effort in the last year to read more around those other things, so instead of just writing design and technology as well. 
And uh, having done that, I stumbled across uh, Patrick and a load of other writers uh, as well. And um, it's quite it's quite interesting because I've got quite a traditional background. I forget sometimes that as a writer, yeah. as a writer, I've got an English degree. I did a master's in writing, yeah. and I've written a novel. And you know, I kind of I know bits and pieces about Shakespeare. Although, please don't ask me any questions. So to read uh, people that are writing from a completely different background, mm-hmm. it's actually been really quite inspiring, and it's been it's been really interesting as well. And to hear other people's philosophy on writing is actually. I think has been, and Patrick's one of these people, is actually um, just a real more positive way of thinking about writing because it's not necessarily, or it wasn't, I mean it is now, but it wasn't necessarily what his background or his job uh, when he first started out in his career and his life. To hear someone talk about it in that way, uh, the way he does now, is actually quite fascinating and quite inspiring. So anyway, his book is great um, and uh, his first it's split into three sections me you and everything else so the first bit is about his life and the guys had a very interesting uh, life and that's good too um, and there's also uh, a large portion about technology which I loved which is about using things like RSS readers how to use them which is obviously quite geeky and techy but I like that kind of thing I do pride absolutely um, and uh, productivity advice all those kinds of things but then there's three or four and it's worth buying just for these sort of I don't know how many pages about ten pages at the back were three or four essays that are on writing and they were it's all great it's just all good stuff and I'm going to read a little bit now would you, would you mind please if, begin would you indulge me please begin um, so this is Patrick uh, I think this was about giving himself advice um, to his younger self as a writer and I'm hearing that the presence of Miranda July in some of this, you know, with the, the, title, the subtitles of the, uh, of course, yeah, of the yeah. book, sort of me, you and everyone we know, yeah, and of course, yeah. also the advice of, sort of giving advice to your younger self. Well, yeah. Miranda July hasn't obviously got a sort of um, monopoly on that, but that was part no. of her uh, project, so that's interesting. Well, we both like Miranda July you as well. You do indeed, great. you do indeed. Okay, so Patrick writes to his younger self, spend at least twice as much time editing as you do writing, slave over every detail, Sweat every word and punctuation mark. Read what you write over and over again. In fact, never stop yourself from revisiting something you wrote and improving or expanding on it if you feel it would make it better. Even something as simple as adding a comma where there should have been one can change the feel of an entire essay. I guess that's kind of the... um, I've finished reading it. This is me again now. And that sort of follows my kind of philosophy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a big editor. I love... uh, fiddling and tweaking I find it very difficult just to pump stuff out and not go back and worry about yeah. it so uh, yeah it's good it's good that's my favourite thing this week go buy it I'm not on commission just but you know and is it printed of course it's printed it's available in, in, in print and as for Kindle and uh, oh, right, as great. EPUB for the iPad and I think it's probably as a PDF as well keeping it straight keeping it straight you're doing my work for me because yes, I've done <laughs> this yes thank you keeping it straight just book in the prompt box indeed <laughs> uh, KeepingItStraightBook.com uh, Keeping It Straight by Patrick Rowan. There you go, that's it. That was a mini-review even almost there, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And, um, anything to add? Uh, the only thing to add is, I suppose, is that it's um, coming up to um, some literary festival seasons, isn't it? And um, the main literary festival coming up soon is, is Hay and White Festival. Cool. It's something I've been thinking about for a while. I've wanted to go to Hay and White for a long time, for years and years and years. But every time each year comes around, there's always something else on or another holiday or a reason that I can't go. Now, I know that you've been to Hay Ian, and I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, really, just sort of, because I think it's 
really important to make an, an event out of books, an event out of literature. Mm. And obviously, Hay and Wise is one of our sort of biggest festivals, although we do have a big and wonderful festival also in Sheffield called Off the Shelf, true. which kicks off sort of um, in the autumn time. So I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Hay and Why and what you thought about it and why it was special in case there are any listeners out there that are thinking about getting down there at the end of the month. Um, uh, you should, well, my, they do wonderful salmon in the catering. Really? Which, uh, good news for vegetarians, I would have thought. Indeed. And it was particularly fantastic because it was free because I actually, I used to, I used to edit, uh, what, let me get this clear, you're not going to go to Hay and Wine and get free salmon. I happened to be there uh, with Matter magazine, which I edited at the time. It's the magazine that comes out of uh, Sheffield, uh, the, the MA writing course yeah. that I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was there as editor, or I wasn't actually, first I was there as just a reader, I performed one of my poems, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, what am I talking about, one of my short stories, yeah. and, um, and it was great, we, we were sort of supporting Sean O'Brien, very well, well-renowned, fantastic, prize-winning poet, and um, so the experience of actually performing at AMY was, hey on Why was amazing, but as an event itself, just to go, it's, uh, it's great, it's... it's um, Fantastic readings. Get the people that they have there are always brilliant. Uh, you know, authors. It's sort of real. It's you know, it's the, probably the most well-renowned festival in the UK, isn't it? It's like I think, it is, I think yeah. Edinburgh might be slightly bigger, but yeah. it's uh, it's yeah. Hay is fantastic. What do you want to know? I'm rambling. No, that's. I think that that will do really. I just wanted to have a bit of a, a bit of an overview of kind of how you find it and what you did there, really, just to sort of. Well, it's, be- it's, it's, it's beautiful, and Hay, Hay itself is a beautiful village, and it's got, I think, I can't remember the exact number, but it's got loads and loads of bookshops. About 60,000. I think it is 60,000, and there are only 50,000 actual houses. So they, um, they, they've had, sort of every other shop is a bookshop, and that kind of sounds implausible. And you get there and you think, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Why? How do they possibly yeah. make any business? But, of course, they do, because it's known as the town with loads of bookshops. Mm. Uh, but it's a beautiful place, and the festival is... I mean, it's terribly middle class, but of course it is. It's a literary festival, so, you know, you just have to deal with that. But they have comedy on as well, and political figures now talk at these places. And, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I would recommend, highly recommend going to, uh, to Hay or, to be honest, any other... Literary festival. So oh, one year I good. very much hope to go, and I hope some of our listeners are uh, perhaps going there. But I've yeah, it starts on the 26th of May and goes on to the 5th of June. Have a look at just have a Google for a Hay and Why um, festival. We'll probably pop one of the links up actually. I'll pop a link uh, in the show notes. And, <laughs> and you can uh, check out check out the um, the lineup really. Indeed. Okay, so that just leaves me to say, do uh, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes. You can uh, uh, and also subscribe to uh, Write for Your Life and get all the articles and everything as well. If you haven't already done that, um, you can do that on the website itself. And um, that's it. That's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.